Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talking trees, Davey Trees, just about a half hour away with Mal Stevens, but the star of the show is back with us in studio, Doug Oster, DougOster.com. Tenth caller right now to get things started, wins a $25 gift certificate to that amazing place right off the Wexford exit, talking about Sorgles, 412-922-1020. The 10th caller wins it. Doug, good to see you again. Good morning. Snakes. I know. Tell me this story Snakes. can't be true. It <laughs> it's is... true. Some guy dropped off a bunch of pythons like right over the hill from where I live. Like a seven-foot pythons and little pythons and a black rat, black rat snake. The black rat snake I don't care about. He's not around any longer, I'm sure, <laughs> if he was dropped off with seven pythons. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. Snakes are actually good for the garden, but a python? When know? did this happen? I don't know. I don't know. Did, I, I, did I did it make I all the papers? The, I didn't see it. It was in. The, it was on the news. You know, it was on TV yesterday. Okay. I think somewhere around the fourth, <clears throat> and uh, it's at this trail that my neighbors and my wife walk. It's right there, and there's like wet areas there and everything. They were out yesterday, like somebody was, like hunting for them, but. How are you going to find a snake? I, I don't know how you're going to find it. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> tread lightly <laughs> have to in the to, garden. <laughs> have to go to True Value and get some of that python be gone. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, uh, the only the good news is, and I know you're not worried about it in the wintertime because there's a long time between now and then. Uh, they have thrived in the Everglades because of the conditions, yeah. but here they should pass because of the winter weather. They will, but, but that's a sad thing, you know. Whoever's take, take responsible to, should be held an, accountable. Yeah, take it to an exotic pet store. Somebody would love to have some, you know, that's one of those pets people love. What do you do with it? Take a python for a walk? I mean, what do you do for a python? I mean, I, Watch what, it eat mice? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, to each his own, but I, I just don't get it. That's not my thing. <laughs> Honey, I'm taking the python to the vet. <laughs> I mean, that's do, probably you probably have to do that. Do you play fetch? <laughs> what do you do with a python? I I know from just people that have had. Them. They love them, and I get it. But if you have like if if you like handle a mouse or something when you're going to feed one, and then you go to touch another one, it thinks you're a mouse, <laughs> and it'll bite you. And just remember, pythons can sometimes get up on the wrong side of the bed and just have a bad day. <laughs> and you know, you do something to tick them off. Like here, snake, <laughs> not a good idea. I don't want to see one. But that's got to be on your mind. Well, I got to figure that between the—I don't even know if they're going to walk the trails now. Uh, but I was talking to my neighbor about it yesterday. I got to think between my wife and you know, they're, we're all walking with dogs. Uh, be, you know, they're going to smell those. They're going to smell them out. I don't know. Uh, 
I haven't heard the latest if they caught any more. Anyway, let's get into some gardening. By the and... way, I'll see you at Christmas time. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, speaking of sorghums, I'm going to be there in a couple weeks, a week from Wednesday on July 19th, uh, 7 p.m. I'm going to be talking about my favorite subject, especially this year, keeping the garden safe from deer, rabbits, and groundhogs. Oh, the deer driving me nuts, but I've got, I've got ways to keep them off my plants. You just, you just have to do it. Uh, it's $7.50 to attend the class, and the registration form is all at DougOster.com. Now, if you were at my plant swap and you signed up for the 3945 tomatoes, uh, Randy has called everybody that he could, could read their names it, that, it, that was legible. Uh, there's some, a couple names on there on the list that, that you couldn't, couldn't get. So if you were here, if you were there and you signed up to get a 3945 tomato plant, I have a few left at Sorgles. It's first come, first serve. Uh, if you're worried about it not being there, call first. And as I said, you know, if you were there and you signed up and you want one of those plants, it's not too late to to plant. And that's what I was doing yesterday. This, you know, I was just talking to the producer, Zach, about there's still a window left for planting, uh, you know, and especially uh, I, I like to talk about these planting windows when we have days like this. You know, yesterday I harvested the garlic. Oh, gosh, that is the best day of the year. But right after I harvested the garlic, and I'll talk a little bit about what I do with that, I put in uh, bush beans. Uh, Dragon's tongue is the one I like, but there's a million different cool bush beans out there that could still be planted. And again, perfect timing. You know, we're going to get rain today. I was hoping to get some rain last night, but they'll, you know, those seeds will be fine. And we get a little rain on them, they're going to be going strong. Put a couple different pole beans in. Uh, to grow up uh, uh, a kind of uh, faux uh, windmill. And then I also, uh, I talked about it last week, planted some chickpeas. My wife was interested in chickpeas, and I've never grown them before. Last year I couldn't get them to sprout, so this year I'm hoping, I'm hoping it grows just like a bean, but we'll see. So after I harvested the garlic, uh, I'm just keeping the stems on there. And, and hanging them up in a warm, dry place for maybe three weeks to cure them because I want them to store. I've got a lot of, you know, a hundred, a couple hundred head of garlic. I want them to last as long as possible. In my house, they will not last long. And, Rob, are you getting any of the garlic uh, odor today because I was pulling and cutting and smashing and cooking and— you, you, you smell okay. <laughs> For once. Okay, just checking. No, you're good. Uh, and then also planted some peppers. You know, I had uh, I talked about this last week, how I read this article that uh, Jessica Wallace wrote about growing garlic in containers. Jessica used to host a show with me. She's an amazing garden writer and horticulturist. And when I pulled them out of those containers, they looked really good. I did better this year than last year from reading that article. And so... Right away, I put in some pepper plants that I've had sitting in the uh, the greenhouse uh, way too long. In fact, if I would have known, I would have brought them in for Zach. He needs peppers. Uh, but it's not too late. You can go down and get some, you know, hot pepper plants from the nursery. Uh, I'm sending Zach, actually, to Chapins. He lives in that area. So he's going to be there today. Uh, take care of that kid. He's just learning how to garden. 
and it's at the nurseries, it's bargain time. Bargain, bargain, bargain. You know, freshen up those containers. I still have containers I haven't planted with flowers. Um, if you if you've got something that didn't do so well in your container. Get something cheap, something new. That's the other thing. You know, most of these new plants are in bigger containers, so now they'll be on sale. You can throw them in. It's just uh, 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 we still have a long way to go in the season, especially since the season has extended over the last 10 years. We have a, you know, a long time until frost, plenty of time, and a great day to plant with, with all this uh, gray skies and rain. By the way, uh, one snake has been captured. Uh, put been captured. That's the white one. Yeah, right. right. Anybody yeah. can find a white snake in a green right. in green grass. But there's a bunch of smaller three foot baby pythons, if you want to call them that, and that seven foot rat snake. The one that's no, been... no. There's also there's also two seven foot pythons too. So, so you're looking at like seven snakes that are still out there. Mm. I think it's four. I think it's two seven foot pythons, one black rat snake. Well, and two little pythons. The, the one pet store, uh, Sarah's Pet Shop, is going to put the one up for adoption. Said it looks like it's in pretty good shape. They're determining whether or not charges should be filed. This happened over July 4th in Ross Township. Okay. Yeah, that's so, where I live. <laughs> that, and that's where I won't be anytime soon. All right. It's going to be quite a surprise when I'm picking the... <laughs> Picking the lettuce, and there's a seven-foot python there. Let's go live to Doug now. <laughs> Not sure, a big earthworm. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. We'll take your calls on the other side. You never know what this guy's going to bring to the show. Stay with us. All right, so your wife's first name is? Cindy. We've got two callers on the line, both named Cindy. <laughs> well, if you look at my book, Tomatoes, Garlic, Basil, it says, uh, for you, Cindy, you are everything. So I guess that's for the, the Cindy's, too. All right, let's go to the Cindy in Emsworth, who's first up. She's on KDK. How you doing, Cindy? Oh, good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. How are you, gentlemen? Everything's good. What's on your mind? Good. Well, now I am wondering the best time to plant a shrub. We have um, we planted little Henry in our front mm-hmm. yard several years ago, and it is just beautiful. And then a couple of years ago, we planted two in the backyard, and they died. We want to try a different spot in the backyard, and we don't know if we should plant them now or if we should wait until the fall. Uh, definitely wait till the fall if you can. Uh, okay. If you're... Bound and determined to plant it now, it's going to be tough on the plant. Uh, that's, that's what we want to avoid. Yeah. Uh, fall is just the best time. Wait till September. You know, don't wait too long. That, that window in September is good. And then, again, watch. Whenever you're planting, it's really important to look at the weather. Like I was talking about today, this is like the perfect planting day. So when you're thinking about going to get your plant, like you could go get your plant in advance and have it there, have the nursery take care of it. And then when the timing is right in September, when you find a, a, a week of, uh, you know, gray skies and rain, which is, that's going to make your life so much easier to get that plant off to a good start. Do you know what you're going to plant? Oh, yeah. We want to plant more little Henrys. Oh, awesome. They're, they're just beautiful. They're fabulous. The, the, fl- the white flowers in the summer are just gorgeous. And then the fall when it turns red, that burnt orange yep, red yep. color. Oh, my goodness. It's just beautiful. Well, that sounds good. Uh, if you can, wait till September. Uh, it's going to be so much better for the plant, and it will catch on. Uh, make sure that it gets the water it needs until uh, the ground freezes solid. When, once the ground freezes solid, it can't uptake water anymore. But as long as you get that, especially a tough plant like that, get it started in September, 
lots of, of water. If we don't get rain, that plant is going to be uh, enjoyed in your landscape for years to come. Thanks, okay. thanks for your call. All right, let's go to the other Cindy. This one's in Irwin, and she wants to talk cranberries. You're on KDK. How are you, Cindy? Hi, good morning. Um, yes, we planted about 15, um, they're called cranberry myrtle. Never had them before. It's like a small shrub that was supposed to get a, you know, two, three feet tall. Mm-hmm. But they're just really, <laughs> they're there, but they're not thriving. Um, when, this is a third year. When were they, pl- well, I'm sorry, what, what year? This is a third. This will be the third beginning of the third year. I have to assume they took they took a beating uh, in December. Uh, okay, that was probably the thing that set them back. Now, do you know? Did that plant get killed to the ground over the winter and then sprout up? Is that what it did, or did it still have growth above ground? Um, it had some of them. You know, there's 15. So some different variances, but the, you know, most of the stem, the bad dry stems we cut off right um they are getting all green we thought they were dead um they didn't come up till almost june uh yeah they're on a shrub they just look like a little tiny thing (laughs) so they're you know they're one of those plants that is marginal for our area it's uh, the winter is not going to kill them at the root level but can kill the top uh when we have a normal winter you're going to be so happy with that shrub because the next year it's just going to be covered in beautiful flowers. But when you, that December was one of the worst things I've ever seen. And so it, it affected plants that are usually never hurt by cold weather, the, the hollies, the pachysandras. And so when you talk a, a, about a plant like that, a crepe myrtle, uh, it's really going to take it on the chin in December. Here's what I would do. Uh, while we're into this period right now, I would uh, fertilize uh, with something like garden tone or plant tone, just a general organic uh, balanced fertilizer. Make okay. them happy. Make them happy that way. Plus, we had that drought in May, which was tough. Uh, now we're into a period where we're getting plenty of rain. If things do dry out again, make sure those plants, because they are relatively young, make sure they get the water they need. They are a, a plant that can take dry situations, but get them set up for the winter. Uh, and and, if, and when we get into the fall, if we just like we talked before about the uh, the other shrubs, uh, little Henry, make sure those plants have all the water they need before the ground freezes. And then if we get a normal winter, you're going to be in in good shape with those. And they're slow growers anyway. And so, it, it, I'm sorry. Go is ahead. Mulch good for them? Is there any type of mulch good? Yeah, mulch would be a great thing. And remember when we mulch, and we'll talk to Miles from Davy Tree when he comes in about this, but when anytime you mulch, we want it to look like a donut, not a volcano. The mulch should never touch the bottom of the plant. And so we're just spreading it out kind of, you know, depending on how big the, the plant is, out to its drip line. And mulch is always a good thing. Just never touch the bottom of the tree with it. And that mulch uh, will keep that soil evenly moist and you won't have to water as much. Okay. Now we just bought holly tone. Is that the same, or is that just for that? Would work. That would work. That would that would be fine. You know that that's specifically formulated for acid-loving plants. But holly, you've you've got it in hand. It will be fine. And you know when you do apply that, the way I do it is I have like this thing called a bulb auger, and you you could do it differently. You could just dig a something close to it. But I, a bulb auger has just a big giant drill bit on a drill, 
and you kind of drill down, you know, about seven inches, you put that fertilizer in and then you just kind of cover it up with soil, but just try and get it down into the root level when you're applying that holytone as opposed to just sprinkling it on top. Okay, great. Well, that sounds you're only about the size of a basketball. I mean, is a good reference. Okay, <laughs> well, that, don't just be patient. Be patient. Uh, this this plant is going to come back for you. Okay. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Have a good day. Thank you. So, why choose a certified arborist? Coming up, right? Definitely, I want to talk about this at length. Uh, you want a certified arborist as opposed to chucking a truck, and I'll tell you why. And I'll, I'm I'll. I'm going to uh, grill Miles on this uh, and talk about what a certified arborist does and why they're so important for your landscape and how they have helped me immensely in my landscape. You know, save the day. Save my garage. Can snakes climb trees? They sure can. They're good climbers. That's why I told Cindy. I'm like, just so you know, pythons can be up in the trees too, which made her feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if that were my significant other, she says, I got it handled. Take a walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go relax. And we're, we're all jittery over there in, in Ross Township. Yeah, I, I, can, I can understand <laughs> Especially why. since this trail goes right down to where this guy dropped off those snakes. And there's this like kind of always running little spring down in there. And that's a place where a snake's going to love it, you know? You know, I'm nowhere near there, but this is all I'm going to be thinking about. The rest, the, I live near the river, so I'm thinking, well, maybe they caught a bus and ended up down <laughs> I don't know. And that's, that's pretty interesting. We'll have to stay on top of that story. All right, Larry Marty, looking for some hometown heroes. You know someone doing extraordinary things in your community. We want to know about them. Nomination is now open at kdkradio.com. Larry and Marty's hometown heroes, 100.1 FM, AM 1020, KDKA. We're joined in studio by my friend Miles Stevens, and we're talking all about the importance of hiring a certified arborist. And Miles, I was saying before the news break, the arborists have saved my garage, <laughs> have saved my woods, have, you know. The thing about a certified arborist for me is the code of ethics. Uh, it's not somebody, you know, I see this all the time where a guy comes in a truck with a chainsaw and I don't care what's happening. He's going to get work. That's not the way it works with a certified arborist. Right. Exactly. You have a certified arborist come out. Once again, the thing you're going to get there is uh, somebody has the knowledge, the educated background, the experience and is going to be better able to evaluate the, the trees, the plants on your property. And that, that's going to be the key thing right there. Rather than just looking at it and say it needs cut or whatever they can, give you a true evaluation condition of your plants. And so the thing that always surprises me, even after all these years, is you come for free. How how can you do that? <laughs> how can you come to a property for free? And in some cases, many cases, I'm told, you're not doing any work. You're just saying, oh, this will be okay. Or how does that, how does that work? Uh, well, I don't know what I can tell you other than it does. You know, you go out there and... and <laughs> One of the things is just meeting with people and discussing their property with them. And especially if you find where people really have an interest in your trees, you talk about, you know, you know, important situations or things that they may need to take care of. And in a sense, it sort of sells itself. You know, you, you know, you get people that are really interested, want to take care of their landscape. They're going to be proactive a lot of times. They're not just going to wait for, well, we'll just see what happens. They, they want to take care of it. You know, a lot of times now I think people look at it as an important part of the investment of their home property. You know, it's just not, that will do it, but they look at, hey, they take care of the inside of the house. Well, they want to take care of the outside, too, to make sure their 
property looks good. People don't have pride in what they live in. And if you have a bunch of trees on your property, certainly in my case, <laughs> it's important to have an arborist come out and take a look at least once a year. And what? So let's say you're called, come out. I want you to do an assessment on my property. What do you do when you come? Uh, first thing I do, of course, meet with the customer uh, and see what you know their concerns are. See what things they might have seen or or uh, or not sure what's going on. And then take a walk around the property with them. And I always say, when I walk up to a tree, I'm usually not looking up. I may look up a little bit, but what I do, I walk up to the tree, and the first thing I do is start looking at how's that tree formed into the ground. What's the the base of flare like on that tree? Then you start working your way up the tree, start looking for maybe potential defects or whatever. And you do step back and you start looking at, you know, what's the crown look like? Is there die back? Is there, you know, things like that? So you you just start at the very base, you know, the roots or the strength of a tree, really, of any plant. And as you start looking at evaluating what that kind of condition is there, then you start moving your way up the tree, eventually step back, take a look at the tree, and try to get an overall idea. What is the condition? What does the health of the tree appear to be at this point in time? Well, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. And (laughs) I had an arborist come, and he panicked when he saw one of these oak trees. When he did the same thing, he started looking down below. He took, like, this big knife thing, and started kind of digging underneath it, and he goes, this tree has to come out like this is an emergency. That's what saved the garage. And so, and again, it was in a, here's the thing about dealing with a, a, a big company like Davey that knows what they're doing. This tree was in a very difficult position. You could not get to the tree even with a bucket truck. So he had to bring in this like special thing that came and, Oh, it was such a relief to get that tree down. And it was a big, giant oak tree. Again, I should have seen it. I should have seen what was going on. It was actually my wife who first saw it. She's like, do you notice there's a hole in the top of that or the in the, the bottom of that tree? And I'm like, oh, I didn't notice that. We better have them take a look at it. And like I said, it saved the garage. Yeah, because sometimes once it's starting at that look at the base of the tree, we've got situations and there's some uh, common uh, organisms uh, that will uh, destroy the root system of a tree. And what will happen a lot of times, people go out and they'll see mushrooms at the base of a tree. They just kick them off. And, yeah. Well, that's yeah, not yeah. important. And then you go out there and you see, for example, like armillaria or Ganoderma, and you see it, in the, you know, especially the armillaria, we don't even debate on whether the tree needs removed because you cannot evaluate, you know, visually how, how extensive the root dieback may be. And when you see armillaria, it's got to go. So, uh, yeah, you're looking for those type of things, but you know, sometimes people kick those off, and then there's like yeah. So if you see mushrooms growing from the base of a tree, they're not going to know what an armillaria is. But it'd be a good idea to give somebody a call and say, hey, just at least come take a look at it. If it is, like you said, if it is that armillaria, that's, that's got to go. Right, and then there's other you know uh, you know mushrooms that are not you know a danger to the yeah. tree. You know, but you want somebody to come out and take a look and knows what they are, or if they're not even sure. You know, I send them to a lab for, you know, uh, identification, mm-hmm. and they can, then recommendations come, come from there. But, yeah, knowing what, you know, all the characteristics, what should be there, what shouldn't be there, is really important when you're evaluating those. And dealing with problems sooner rather than later is better. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And you're talking about, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, maybe some damage to the tree or whatever, and just leaving an old limb hang up there forever and ever, and you start exposing more of the tree to decay, getting that pruned out and taken care of. You can allow the tree to go on its way and heal over and, you know, be a productive tree for the future. If I would have caught that early and 
that big tree, I saw mushrooms growing out of the bottom of it seven years ago. And I didn't think, I kicked them off, didn't think anything of it. If I would have got to that early, they could have just climbed that tree and cut it back. That's the problem. If you wait too long, that's when you got to bring in. It cost me, you know, a few bucks to bring that machine in, but that was the only way to get it safely, get it down. Where if I would have got there early, I could have just climbed up it and, you know, it's still going to, you know, for a giant tree, it's going to cost you a few bucks, but it would have been cheaper and a lot easier to get rid of that tree. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah safety comes in the, is a major factor in the, the work that we do. And obviously we don't want to be having, uh, you know, team members go climbing a tree that's not safe. And, you know, then at that point you're opening up a uh, possible personal injury yeah. and still a possible property damage. So it's, so I want to switch gears a little bit because the, still the, uh, on people's minds and I'm hearing about it every day is the winter. What are, what's coming back and what isn't, is everything coming back? And, and I, I want to start with boxwoods because every day I get a, a, a question like, What's going on with my boxwood? Yeah, it's like I, I see some will come back, but I'm seeing a lot of boxwoods. I'm just not confident at all they're going to come back. You know, I've had people prune the dead out, you know, uh, obviously for reasons just uh, for cultural practices. Number one, to prune that dead out. The other thing is to see, you know, is it recovering? Because you leave that dead in there, you keep looking at it. Is that more? Is that less? So prune the dead out, maybe some fertilization, maintain mulch around the plants. You know, mulch is always good. Soil, you know, temperature modification help with a little bit of moisture retention, especially we've had some really dry weather earlier this year. But boxwoods look pretty rough. And I'm not sure some of those are going to come back. Uh, hollies, especially like the Blue Prince, Princess type, they really got nailed pretty hard. But they're actually coming back pretty good. Yeah. They put out a lot of new good growth. Arborvitae had some damage. and uh, But they seem to be coming back okay. Uh, Blue Atlas cedars, uh, slowly You know, they're always, back. you know, you get a polar vortex with a Blue Atlas cedar, you're, it's, it's going to be tough. Even some mimosa I've seen, which I wasn't sure they're really going to come back. And actually, they're starting to push growth back out. So I, I, we're really pushing it to have those trees in this area. But I think some of them, I don't want to say they're used to it, but they get zapped and then they come back and they're okay. But really, boxwoods are really, really, really beat bad. Yeah, I wonder why, you know, because they're, they're usually pretty tough. But I guess that was just a, one of the most unusual things to happen, that just mild, 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 and then boom. Yeah, I mean that was a thirty-five, forty-degree drop in like yeah. five hours. And, yeah, and, and I had, I had, I have a one shrub, a caria, and it's evergreen all year long and has these beautiful orange flowers in the spring. It's coming back, but I'm not going to see those blooms until uh, next year. All right, Miles, hang in there. And if anybody has a tree question, give us a call, 866-391-1020. For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, go to Davy.com slash KDKA. And remember, you can always call the experts from Davy Tree. And as we heard, they'll come out for free at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Coming up next hour, Cooking with That Smoker on the Coons Cooking Hour. It's your Rob Pratt Sunday, your Pratt Pack on KDKA. Good morning. All right, listen, if you have a tree question on your mind, now would be the perfect time to call 866-391-1020. But as we have Miles Stevens, Davey Tree, hanging out with us in the last segment of The Organic Gardener with Doug Oster, DougOster.com, we have Nancy, who's got a question. So welcome to the show. Nancy, you're on KDKA. Hi, Rob. Hi, Doug. Hi. My, quest, my question is, I have a hillside with tetraploid daylilies on it. And not one of them bloomed this year. Was that because it was so 
unbearably hot in mm. the period when they should be making their blossoms. Boy, that's unusual. Uh. Yeah, and I gave some to a friend, and none of hers have bloomed either. And mm. usually they bloom the whole month of July. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's terrible. Uh, you know, the only thing I can think is that drought should, that wasn't bad enough to stop them from blooming. Uh, but maybe it's a fertilization issue. That's the only thing I can think. Now, they've been there for a long time, right? And they're doing this for you every year, right? Oh, they've been there maybe 20 years. Oh, and there are lots of weeds growing in there. And I'm, I'm probably going to call you in the fall and say, how can I kill my pet, tetraploid daylilies? This is my friend Nancy, who uh, was a gardener at Kennywood, and uh, yeah. way back when I, I did a video with her, and I get to see her a couple times a year here at the home show and such. So for somebody with such expertise uh, to have this problem with daylilies, that's unusual. And again, the only thing I can think of, Nancy, is uh, is fertilization, and I don't think it's too late. You know, if it was me... I would get uh, a liquid organic fertilizer on them because that would be like instant boost for them. And that's the only thing I can think of that would stop them from producing buds. That's just very unusual. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, by the way, today is Kennywood Day at the History Center. And I'm going to take Bill Henninger's book, The Gardens of Kennywood, in to show them. And because I'm going to leave it to them in my will, which hopefully (laughs) I'm aiming for 100, so they won't get it for a while. Some great stories from Kennywood from Bill Henninger. Uh, Oh, yes. uh, They're having workshops today. I'm hoping some of the Henningers will be there. Oh, that would be great. History Center today, right? Right. All right, Nancy. Thank you so much for your call. It was great to talk to you again. All right, we go from one Nancy to another Nancy. You're on KDK. Of course, this is the Organic Gardener. Hey, Nance. Good morning. I have blue spruce trees that the bottom part of the tree, the needles are turning brown and falling off. Miles, that sounds like a blue spruce to me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds I've like I've got it. one like that, too. <laughs> yeah, it could be, a, could be a couple things going on. There's been a disease that's been present for as long as I can remember that uh, you'll see bottom branches and spruce trees, blue spruces die of cytosporic canker, and that's sort of been around here for a long time. But the thing we've seen more recently in prevalence is uh, what's called rhizophyra needle cast, and you'll notice the bottom part of the tree, the needles will brown, they'll fall off. So it very yeah. well could be that, um, and you'll notice from the, it'll go from the bottom to the top of the tree with that. Is there anything I could do? Well, you can. There are fungicides available to treat that, and it's a multi-step program, and it's just not a one-year type of thing. So you have to look at it and see if you would, you know, would be committed to to doing that. Fertilization certainly would be very helpful to the trees, and anything you do to help with the soil underneath the tree, also mulching or even trying to work to relieve some of the soil compaction. The tree's been there for a long time. The soil tends to get very compacted, so relieving, you know, relieving some of that compaction you know, will promote better root growth, and the fertilization will help that also. You're trying to do those things. You're trying to improve your overall quality of the environment the tree is growing in. And then at that point, you can look to, you know, to attack uh, the disease issues. But, you know, best be have somebody come out, an art certified arborist come yeah, out and take a yeah. look and let you know, okay. is it the needle cast or is it uh, the cytosporic canker? And then you know, at that point, you can come up with a plan of attack. 
Cytosper canker, there's no treatment for you. Just prune the, the dead branches out and try to get you know, the, the vector out of the tree there before you know it spreads even further. And the way you guys fertilize is, you know, it's not just sprinkling stuff on top. You're putting that probe down in there and it really uh, getting to the root of the matter, so to speak. Right. I mean, we're injecting under pressure, so it shoots that into the root zone. Uh, the plant, if you just sprinkle, you put, you know, drill a hole and put some fertilizer, and you're sort of relying on the tree to find the fertilizer. But the method we use, we basically put a grid pattern underneath the tree. We inject it into the ground, and that's where you get to where the roots are actively growing. How long have you been doing this, Miles? Uh, 41 years. Back in the horse and buggy days, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had a nice old mule named uh, Sarah. <laughs> What do you get out of doing it? What what is why did you keep doing it as your profession and what do you get out of this job? Uh I just enjoy being outside and and the thing I probably never thought of when I started, you meet a lot of interesting people. Mm-hmm. I mean, all different walks of life and uh you know, people that uh you meet some people that are like, boy, you think you know, all these people put these, you know, athlete up on a pedestal, you like your kids to be like, but you meet some people that, wow, these would be a great example for your kids. But meeting with people, talking with people, going to a lot of interesting properties, seeing a lot of different uh, uh, situations, it's, you know, but it's uh, been interesting people has been the biggie. I think that really makes it interesting. Uh, I can't let you go without talking about pawpaws. <laughs> uh, you know, normal people show pictures of their kids and grandkids. Miles is showing pictures of his pawpaws uh, and pawpaw is a native tree uh, that makes this uh, fruit about the size of a potato, even bigger in Miles' case. And <laughs> it tastes like uh, they say cross between banana and mango, but you got special plans for your pawpaws this year, right? Yes. I got a, uh, found out you can make ice cream with them. So my <laughs> wife for Christmas bought me an ice cream maker. So this year I'm going to try my hand at uh, making pawpaw ice cream. It should be, uh, should be interesting. Well, Miles, as always, it was great to talk to you. Great to have you in the studio. For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, go to Davy.com slash KDK. And remember, you can always call the experts from Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Now I'm answering questions after the show at DougOster.com. And there are a couple seats left for my trip to Tuscany in October. And I got a text from Susan who said, her daylilies didn't bloom either, so I wonder if it's a weather thing and not a fertilization thing. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow, and watch out for the snakes. All right, thank you so much, Miles. Good seeing you, and Doug, have a great week ahead. Stay tuned. Frank Dentisi's in the building, cooking with that smoker. Tips, tricks, and more. Coons Cooking Hour moments away, your Pratt Pack, today on KDKA. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.